other and he'll meet you out there. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank you, God, for your word. And thank you, thank you, Brian, for reading. Uh, hey, everybody, all of you here in the house, and all of you here out there in your own house, um, I just want to say good morning, and um, I love you. And I love being your pastor. And it's a, it's a great honor to uh, share the word with you uh, every week. And uh, if you're new with us today, I also want to give a, a big welcome to you. And, and I hope that God gives you what you're seeking. And even more beyond that. Uh, a lot of you know last Sunday uh, I sent out an email to everybody uh, it was about denominational issues, and there was a survey that you could click the link on and take the quick survey. And I want to say over 260 of you have now taken that. It's awesome. Thank you. And I know that you, you are invested in this because you love your church. And uh, also about 100 or so have signed up for one of the info sessions, or the info meetings that we're having. And uh, just so you know, you do have to sign up for those because uh, we, we want to make sure we have room for everybody to come. And uh, so if you didn't, uh, just filling out the survey wouldn't uh, be a register. So go back to that email and then click on the place where you can sign up, okay? Thank you. Uh, and if you did not get the email, then uh, please, you can, you can ask us for that. Just send it, uh, a request to info at faithwestwood.com and we'll make sure you're all signed up, all right? And the survey is open through next Sunday, so you've got time. All right, let's pray. Oh, dear God, none of us is wise enough to lead this church without your wisdom. Lord, let your love prevail despite our differences. Guide our path. Direct our steps. Lead us on to the faithful future you have in mind. And now, Holy Spirit, awaken us to the Word of God. Lift our eyes to see Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, our Savior and friend. In his name we pray, amen. Well, Trish and I are in the middle of a remodel of our kitchen at our house. Uh, and uh, here's what it looked like this week. Uh, and uh, what a mess. Uh, how many of you have been through a, a kitchen remodel? Oh, you, you feel our pain, right? Anyway, uh, we're not gutting the kitchen and starting over. Uh, we're keeping the cabinets, but they're going to be painted but we are going to get new countertops. 
and we're keeping some of the appliances and we're getting some new ones and we're keeping the same footprint of the kitchen but changing colors. And in a few weeks, our kitchen will be a mixture of old and new but with a very different look. And it's the same with the Bible. It is a combination of old and new. Three-fourths of the Bible is the Old Testament, 39 books written before the time of Jesus. One-fourth is the New Testament, 27 books written in the first century A.D. Why do we call them testaments? Well, it's another word for covenant. In 2 Corinthians and a bunch of other places, but here uh, Paul talks about the old covenant that God established with Israel uh, through Moses and the new covenant that God opened up to people of all people, all people through Jesus. And just like in our kitchen, in the Bible, some things remain the same moving from the old to new while other things change. Well, today we're, con we're continuing our series, Don't Read the Bible. You hear me? Don't read the Bible. But I have to confess, I've been reading it anyway. Today's message is, don't read the Bible unless you read the Old and New Testaments differently. Of course, as, uh, as we heard in the Scripture reading, that all the Bible is inspired by God... Uh, God breathe, but, but we don't read the Old Testament and New Testament. If we don't read them differently, it can shipwreck your faith. We must read them differently. And you know, that's true of a lot of things, right? Uh, the Declaration of Independence and the Gettysburg Address, they are both important to our nation, but we read them differently. Uh, they have different purposes. They come from different times and circumstances. They have different authors and audiences. And, and a similar thing happens in the Bible. Um, I thought, okay, let's, uh, let's have a little quiz here and make it like Jeopardy, all right? The answer is, this person was the first to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the question is, who is? Well, if you thought Jesus, you're close, because he did say it. But Moses said it first in the Old Testament, and he got it from God. And, but that commandment remains the same in both the Old and New Testaments, and it's the same God that we are called to love. But the, the, the two Testaments are different. The Old Testament says if two people are fighting and, quote, if there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Sounds like my brothers and me when we were kids. We rarely do that now, by the way. Last week I said that so much of the Old Testament was about, and the law there was about limiting evil. And that's what this passage does, isn't it? Uh, if someone knocks out your tooth, you're not allowed to kill that person in revenge. The penalty must be limited, proportional to the offense. But in the New Testament, Jesus goes way beyond just limiting the evil. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. 
If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them your other cheek also. Now, turning the other cheek, that is way harder. Turning the other cheek is not for cowards. It, it requires tremendous courage, self-control. Now, today, I have three things that I want to say to you about reading the Old and New Testaments differently. Here's the first one. As Jesus' people, we prioritize the New Testament over the Old Testament every time. Every time. Will you say that with me? As Jesus' people, we prioritize the New Testament over the Old Testament every time. For example, one of, the, one of the commandments in the Old Testament is, you shall not commit adultery, right? And, and most of us would agree, well, this commandment is still a good thing. <laughs> uh, adultery is still a sin, and the New Testament confirms that, but with one big difference. In the Old Testament, the penalty for adultery was death. Now, you need to know that in, even in Old Testament times, the death penalty was apparently not always used. When, for example, when King David took another man's wife and his crime was discovered, he was not executed. But in the New Testament, those, those penalties no longer apply. Jesus stops the crowd from, from stoning a woman caught in adultery, and he just simply tells her to leave her life of sin. And so that's the way we would do it, because we prioritize the New Testament over the Old Testament every time. One of the strange commands in the Old Testament is this, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Just so you know, I have kept this command all my life. <laughs> have you? Huh? I don't think I've even eaten goat before. Does it taste like chicken? Probably not. Anyway, the best theory scholars have about this uh, command is that cooking a young goat in his mother's milk was a pagan superstition from other nations, and it may have been their way of sort of coaxing their fertility gods into giving them plentiful crops. Forbidding it was God's way of saying, you're not going to do that to try to coax me to, to give you plentiful crops. You're just going to trust me, and I'm going to bless you and take care of you. Now, the New Testament doesn't say anything about how to cook a goat. So if, you're, if you happen to find a recipe for milk-braised goat, <laughs> I see no problem, but if it's a part of an incantation or a magic spell that you're trying to get some voodoo out there, I would say stay far away from that. The New Testament does warn us about practicing sorcery and witchcraft. Other strange Old Testament commands have to do with mingling things. Have you heard these? Do not plant two seed, kinds of seed in your vineyard. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. Do not wear clothes of wool and linen woven together. Okay, what's that all about? Well, as best that we can tell that those were object lessons for Israel, uh, separating seeds and draft animals and fibers reminded Israel that they must separate themselves from the influence of their pagan neighbors. 
because they worshiped idols and practiced temple prostitution and child sacrifice. Israel was to be separate, to be different. They were God's chosen people. Now, the New Testament is silent about mixing things, and, and, and apparently those commands were unique to Israel, part of God's covenant with Israel, and we don't have to worry about them because following Jesus is what makes us different. One notion that I want to dispel is that the Old Testament is all about wrath and judgment, and the New Testament is all about grace and love. Let me tell you, that is a huge exaggeration. Now, I can see why you get that impression, because when you, when you read, but when you read the Bible carefully, you find a whole lot of grace and love in the Old Testament, on every page nearly. And there's a good bit of wrath and judgment in the New Testament. There's certainly more about hell in the New Testament, especially from Jesus. Did you know that? And we cannot gloss over it. A few years ago, I read all of the Sherlock Holmes stories. And in the first uh, novel, Holmes and Watson meet and agree to be flatmates at 221B Baker Street, right? Well, uh, when, they, when they come across their first murder scene, the victim is a well-dressed man in his 40s, lying on his back on the floor with his arms outstretched and his fists clenched. And as they are carrying him out, a woman's wedding band slips from the victim's pocket and rolls across the floor. It's a clue. And what I like about these stories is that the clues continue to unfold, and you learn more and more. And the author uh, progressively reveals these clues to the reader. And you know, that's kind of the way the Bible is. And here's the second thing that, that I want you to know about reading the Old and New Testaments differently. The Bible gives us a progressive revelation. In other words, we learn as we go. Things that are hazy at the beginning uh, often become clearer later on. For example, we find a progressive revelation in what the Bible says about the afterlife. Uh, in the earlier portions of the Bible, when people die, it doesn't say much about that other than that they're buried in the grave. And the Hebrew word for grave is sheol. But beyond being just a literal physical grave, it can also, at times, uh, we, we find out it means this sort of semi-conscious existence in the shadowy underworld. What is that about? And then in Psalm 49, verse 15, we get another clue. The psalm writer says, God will redeem me from Sheol, that is the, the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. So it points to some kind of afterlife with God. Not specific. We don't know what it's like. Could be the soul going to God after death, or it could be uh, awaiting a future bodily resurrection. And then we get another clue about uh, a bodily resurrection in one of the latest books of the Old Testament, and that's the book of Daniel. It says, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, 
some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. So this is kind of an important verse uh, in which God revealed about a resurrection to come for both the righteous and the wicked. And so we find this progressive revelation within the Old Testament about the afterlife, and that progressive, uh, that progression develops even further in the New Testament. And uh, so and in the New Testament, we find this two-stage afterlife. Did you know that? A two-stage afterlife? Jesus said that God is the God of the living and not the dead, and he included Israel's patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and they lived more than 1,500 years before Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, they're alive. And then there was a time that Jesus was visited by the two great prophets of the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. And apparently they were sent by God from heaven. So that's the first stage of the afterlife is, is being with God in heaven. And the second stage of our afterlife begins on the day of resurrection. Paul said that Jesus is the firstborn among the dead. He's the first one to be re bodily resurrected. And, he, and Paul says there will be a resurrection both of the righteous and the wicked. And he also says that when Jesus returns, that will be the day of resurrection. And the dead in Christ will rise. And the faithful who are still alive will be caught up with them in the air to meet Jesus as he comes to bring judgment and salvation to earth and establish his kingdom forever. Now, we didn't know all this at the beginning of the Bible. But we receive it as a progressive revelation. And here's the third thing to remember when you're reading the Old and New Testaments differently. The Old Testament points to a future that is fulfilled in Jesus. The Old Testament speaks of, a, of the birth of a son who is Emmanuel, God with us. It speaks of a coming prophet, one like Moses, who will lead his people. It speaks of one who is anointed by the Spirit, who will proclaim good news to the poor and set the oppressed free. The Old Testament speaks of the coming of the Lord when the, when the blind will see and the deaf will hear, the lame will leap, and the mute will shout for joy. It speaks of a king who comes humbly riding on a donkey. It speaks of a shepherd of the people betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. The Old Testament speaks of one who cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who is mocked and insulted and whose clothes are divided by casting lots. It speaks of a suffering servant who will bear our pain and atone for our sins and who will then be exalted by God. It speaks of the day when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all God's people, young and old, women and men. The Old Testament speaks of a descendant of King David who will reign forever, whose government and peace will never end. And all of these are fulfilled in Jesus. Have you ever read a book and watched a movie and after the last scene you're kind of mad because you didn't want it to be over. 
I mean, there are just so many loose ends and unanswered questions, and you're going, what? Why did it end now? Well, the Old Testament is kind of like that. You know, it leaves you with all these, these loose ends and these unanswered questions and unfulfilled promises. It cries out for a sequel. And we have the sequel. Jesus is the promise. He is the fulfillment of God's promises. He is the fulfillment of our hopes and our longings. The Old Testament points to a future that's fulfilled in Jesus. And I want you to know that, that Jesus is also the fulfillment of your hopes and your longings. And your future will be fulfilled in him. And whether you realize it or not, there is a progressive revelation happening in your life. God has been reaching out to you. God has been revealing himself to you, calling you all these years, whether you've realized it or not. And you need what only Jesus can give you. Do you know that? You need what only Jesus can give you. God wants to write your name into his story of salvation. But it's up to you. It's up to you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the beautiful story of salvation that you have written into human history. Oh, Lord, please bring me into your story. Jesus, you are my life, my hope, my salvation. Fill me with all that you are. And now I give myself to you, Lord. Take my life. I am yours now and forever. And now I want to give us a couple of minutes to continue in this prayer time. You can pray silently and bring to God whatever is on your heart. And you can pray where you are seated, or if you like, you can come forward and pray here at the steps, standing or kneeling. Let's pray.